Well, Tanner is probably still back there making an adjustment. Danny and uh, Shara are here. I just met them, barely, as they came in through the door. And uh, Stephanie and Michael, they're friends. After Stephanie, you're the one that kind of got them up here, right? So I remember Tanner calling us and talking to us about this amazing wedding he got to sing at, and it was Shara's wedding. And he said, it's amazing, all the revivalists that were there. It was at Bethel. And uh, so Shara ministers around the world. Her husband, Danny, ministers as well. Can everybody just stand up and let's welcome them both. Dan can you bring up your children and say hi? Everybody extend your hands to them just, and just say, be free. <laughs> say, say it again, be free. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for this family, and I want them to be free to be them. And just the, just the family environment, just protect them and let them know they're loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tanner is actually one of my favorite worship leaders on the planet. I used to preach every summer in Montana. You know, Benny Hinn has a choir, but I would request that Tanner would come with me to all my meetings throughout uh, Montana and just would press in for the presence. And when I knew that we were going to do a wedding at the Cascade Theater in Reading, which is a huge old Hollywood theater, we were reenacting the Song of Solomon and... I asked Tanner to lead a whole all-star team of my favorite worship leaders, but to have him lead it. So to be able to come to his home, his house, pastored by his parents with his family is such an honor. We are so honored to be here. So I actually have two quick film clips. The first clip is just an excerpt of the first movie I produced and directed and wrote, Compelled by Love, about my spiritual mama, Heidi Baker. And then I actually have a little clip of the wedding that I believe has Tanner in it. So that's why I wanted to play it. Um, and then I have a word for you guys. Come sign your name, sign your name on love to um, give this to the pastors. Ava, you want to bring this to them? This is just um, Compelled by Love and then another film celebrating women around the world called Hope Has a Name. We'd love to give that. And then I just have a quick little clip from our wedding. I wanted our wedding to be a reenactment of Song of Solomon. And so we actually built a biblical-sized palaquin, which is the royal chariot that the Shulamite bride rides in on, on Song of Songs 3. And we had 20 men in Indian royal outfits singing our first worship song, carrying in with, like, bubble guns. And, I mean, it was just, it was really fun. We had actors that are on the Academy for the Oscars reenacting the Bible, performing Psalm 27 by King David. And a Bollywood flash mob, random, <laughs> and opera singers and dancers from So You Think You Can Dance. But the pinnacle was actually Tanner was leading worship with worship leaders from all over the world. We had about a thousand people in this Cascade Theater. And I asked him, I said, would you just sing in the spirit for an hour before the wedding even begins? I just want to set an atmosphere of glory, which you so know that's what Tanner carries and what was so beautiful, you know, the wedding, the parable of the wedding feast of the Lamb, where they send out wedding invitations to the highway and the byway that the Father's house will be filled. 
and Tanner created such an atmosphere of glory presence that non-Christians were walking into the cascade just weeping. They weren't invited to the wedding, but they came anyway just feeling the love of the Father and encountering him. So we just have a little clip, and I believe Tanner's in it. (laughs) So we're going to play that, and I have a word for you guys. If you keep playing, it's, I think Tanner's in the next shot, but maybe it got stuck. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Tanner was in the next shot, but <laughs> that's okay. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that there is going to be a wedding and that we get to marry you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that we are your family, that forever and ever we are your family, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would crash in this morning. You would just crash into this place. Father, I thank you for that word of breakthrough, that you are the breaker, that you go before. You're the Micah 2.13. You go before with that breaker anointing. God, I thank you that one moment in your presence and sickness bows, that one encounter and one word from you, Jesus, and everything changes. So Holy Spirit, we say crash in with your glory. We say flood this place with your presence. Father, we say just release the healing angels that are already here in worship, ministering God. We just thank you that cancer cannot stand in your glory, that that precious brother will be cancer-free in Jesus' name, that sickness bows in your glory. So God, we ask for more of your presence to crash in, in Jesus' name. The last time I had the honor of meeting with the prophet Bob Jones. Have you all heard of Bob Jones? He went to be with the Lord on Valentine's Day, I think, last year. Maybe it was two years ago. Um, when, he, when I was meeting with him, he started talking about the decade of 2020 and that every decade, the Lord would restore something to his body. But in this coming decade, the Lord would restore family. And I was here in worship and I was thinking, you guys do family so well. This feels like a big extended like family reunion or picnic where everybody loves each other. We got greeted on the way in, just so cared for and loved. And he was talking about the need for family to be restored. And I don't know if some of you guys know, uh, Paul Kane went to be with the Lord also this year. And there had been five seer prophets that all went home in the last five years all around 222. And Paul Cain had been caught up in visitations of this generation where he saw that the Lord would pour out his spirit without measure to a people without mixture. Turn to your neighbor and say that right into them. The Lord is going to pour out the spirit without measure to a people without mixture. 
meaning that there would be a vessel that was so pure that the very glory of God would be demonstrated, where there would be stadium Christianity, where worship would go for 24-7, where no one would even care who the worship leader was because there was just this glory presence focused on Jesus, where there would be on the news no news but good news because revival would come. And I believe we are in a season in America where America shall be saved. And in order for God to release that billion soul harvest, that incoming revival, he has to restore family. Because family is where the lost will run into. And it's where they will feel like they belong. And in Luke 5, Jesus commands Peter, who had not caught a fish all night, he said, cast your net deeper. And he'd been fishing all net and had got, all night and had got nothing. And at obedience to the word of the Lord, he casts his net deeper than it's ever been. And there's so much fish, it fills two boats. It fills a double portion. And the net that God is restoring right now is relationship. It's covenant. It's family. It's a place where this they call it the fatherless generation where there's transgendered being broadcast in California where you can't even teach in schools about sexuality. You know, there's just all this stuff that's warring against this generation where, where the Lord is going to so restore in the church a revival which looks like family. For he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you guys do that so well. I've been waiting to come to Alaska for years, and we are so honored to Stephanie and her precious husband, Mike, flew us out because they just got ordained two nights ago, and Tanner led worship for it. It was awesome. And we had the honor of pouring into Stephanie and her daughter, Ash, when they were at BSSM. We started mentoring them them in the prophetic. My husband's going to be doing an activation tonight on miracles. There's going to be so much signs and wonders tonight. So we took Stephanie on the road with us. We're training her in family. She'd come over and eat my spicy food and travel with us and minister with us. And then she led the BSSM team to China. And she comes back and she's like, guess what? And we're like, what? And she goes, I prophesied in Chinese. But she doesn't speak any Chinese. (laughs) So can you imagine the precious Chinese brothers and sisters hearing secrets of their heart in their native tongue? And while she was leading the trip for Bethel to Southeast Asia, the Lord said, start bringing the BSSM curriculum to the prisons of Alaska. And at that point, She had no prison ministry. She had no open doors. It was like the Lord saying, go to the moon, you know? But God, just like Peter, took the word of the Lord and simply obeyed. The Lord has opened doors to bring BSSM into multiple prisons where revival is pouring out in Alaska. And I have a word for you guys out of 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9 about the restoration of family. Let me give you a little backdrop on this story. This is a passage that you don't hear a ton of sermons from. It's about a character in the Bible named Mephibosheth. Have any of y'all heard of Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, 
King Saul's grandson. So we all know the story of David where it says in Acts 13 that David was a man after God's own heart who fulfilled the full will of God in his generation. And he was king over Israel, the greatest king. He was a worshiper. And we know Jonathan and David were best friends, right? And in 1 Samuel 20, 14, they made a covenant where their soul was knit together. And it said that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. And he gave him his sword and his belt and his bow. And at that point, Jonathan even knew that his own father, Saul, was acting in disobedience, right? He was this megalomaniac king that was demonized through jealousy, so jealous of David that he had all of his army chasing after David and his mighty men. So Jonathan at that point even knew that his own dad was not walking in the anointing of the Lord and he made David promise to show his family said. Turn to your neighbor and say said. Hased in Hebrew means the loving kindness of God. So Jonathan so knew that one day David would be king because in Hebrew culture, in those ancient days, as soon as one monarch died, what was the first thing that the next king would do? You would kill all descendants, all family members of the, uh, of the previous monarch, right? As like job security, So Jonathan made David promise to remember the loving kindness and to make a covenant with him. So what happened was, we all remember 1 Samuel 30. It's one of um, David's lowest points. He's in total rebellion. He's in disobedience. He's being chased by 600 men. He's like living, imagine like in the fields of Alaska, eating, you know, grass and just like living off the land, being chased by a king. And at that point, the Lord does, it's a backdoor for the throne. And Jonathan dies in battle and Saul falls on his own sword. And then David is anointed king. And what happened was Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, was being held by the nurse. And news comes that the family line has died. And so the nurse starts to run holding Mephibosheth and she drops Mephibosheth. And as she drops Mephibosheth, he is crippled and lame. And in the Hebrew culture of that day, if you were uh, crippled and you were lame, you were considered almost like an outcast, like a leper. And a lot of times those people were actually taken and they were ostracized to the outskirts, to like the wilderness of society. So there's Mephibosheth and he was in the lineage to be royalty. He was in the lineage to be king and he literally goes to a place called Lodabar, which means the wilderness. And his name means son of shame. And so he goes from being the heir to the throne to a crippled outcast that's on the outskirts of society. How many of you have sometimes felt dropped? Where maybe you thought those that were to raise you in ministry, those that were to carry you, dropped you. Or sometimes we have expectations and disappointments. And there's Mephibosheth, and his name means son of shame. 
When I think about Mephibosheth, it reminds me of a friend that I had in Mozambique named Antonio. I'd been Heidi Baker's personal assistant for years, and then I made the movie for years. And I was driving around Mozambique in Pemba with 10 of her chocolate children in the back of my Land Rover. And all of a sudden, on the side of the road, we see a crippled man, like Mephibosheth was crippled. And this man wasn't just crippled. He didn't have hands, and he didn't have feet. He had just stumps. And he had little flip-flops on his hands, and that's how he crawled. So my boys start bouncing up and down in the Land Rover saying, Mama, Mama, stop. So we stop, and we walk over to Antonio, who's in the dust and the grime of the African soil. And we put Antonio in our Land Rover, and we drive, and I'm there teaching on Song of Solomon in my Bible school class in Mozambique, and I'd be teaching to the Mozambican pastors, and some of them had literally raised the dead, but they couldn't even read. And I'm teaching on the Song of Solomon, and Antonio gives his life to Jesus. So we put Antonio on my back, and I literally carry him on my back across the street to the turquoise Indian Ocean, and we baptize Antonio, and he gives his life to Jesus, and he comes through those waters shining, ear to ear, smiling, radiant, new creation. And Antonio was crippled, but he taught me about hunger. Because Antonio was so hungry for Jesus. He was so desperate for God that though he couldn't walk, he would crawl to my Bible study classes for eight hours a day in the hot African sunshine by the Indian Ocean. And he just wanted more of Jesus. So when I think of Mephibosheth, I think of Antonio because I learned so much from this man. We saved enough money to build him a little hut He got married. He even had a child. And what happens is in 2 Samuel 9, David remembers his covenant to Jonathan. No one else knew about that covenant. That was a secret moment that Jonathan had with David. But David remembered that he had made a promise to another. So he asked, is there any descendants from the household of Jonathan? And it says in verse 5, Then King David sent and brought Mephibosheth from the house of Meshir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not fear. For I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all that your grandfather saw, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, Mephibosheth prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then the king called Saul's servant Zilba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all that his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson shall have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall sit at my table and eat as one of the king's own sons." So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. 
for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. So we're, we're filmmakers, my husband and I. He's an actor, I'm a producer, and I love biblical films. We're working on Hosea, an epic Hollywood film. We just need to raise $20 million, so pray for us. <laughs> We've been working on this script with an Emmy nominee writer, and I've been praying into the film for 15 years. Compelled by Love, 70% of that goes towards Heidi's kids, but this film will go towards ending sex slavery. We have like a Oscar nominee, actors and stuff involved. We just need provision. But I love to see scenes of the Bible like films. So I want you to imagine this scene. Here's King David. Now he's the most powerful man in the world. Forget Donald Trump, forget Bill Gates, forget any political leader. He is literally, he's amassed like 60,000 square miles. He's rich, he's famous at one word. He could have anybody die. And there's Mephibosheth hiding in shame in the middle of the wilderness. And he feels like his life is over. He's lost his family. He's lost his inheritance. He can't even walk. And what I love about the story, it's a picture of the gospel. Because David remembers a covenant And there is another covenant that was made for us. And David calls for Mephibosheth to come, and he is so sure he is going to be punished or killed, he falls down and considers himself as a dead dog. And what does David do? He restores his lost inheritance. He calls him to sit at his table as one of his own sons, and he restores everything that has been lost. Imagine that scene where you see David, the king, and all his royalty, and Tamar, and all his sons, and the greatest men, and there he's sitting, and he calls Mephibosheth, a crippled handicap, to sit at his right hand. And you know that when you're at the table of the Lord, that when you're rightly positioned with fellowship, the table of the Lord covers your weakness. It covers your cripple. It covers your handicap. Because there is another covenant that was made where Jesus remembered the promise that he made to the Father. And when he sits us at his table, all our handicap is healed. All our, everything that's been lost is restored because we sit as the king's sons and daughters. That's who my Jesus is. That's what his blood accomplishes. I relate to this story also because I just have such a passion in my own life for family. You saw from the wedding video, well, you saw part of it, but all I wanted since I was a little girl was to be married. My favorite movie was Anne of Green Gables. I forced Ava, my daughter, to watch it over and over with <laughs> Jean Gilbert. And I grew up dreaming about marriage. And I, went, I was radically saved at 13 through a visitation of Jesus. My mom is Jewish. My dad's Indian, but they're atheists. There was no Christians in my family. And they were very angry at me for becoming Christian. My dad was like, you have to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. You have to go to an Ivy League. So I like went to Princeton, was pre-med. But what I did in college was I became a revivalist. So in the seedbed of the, the Great Awakening at Princeton, I was leading revival. And 
And shortly after that, I went on a missions trip with Todd Bentley to Malawi, where Heidi Baker was there for 24 hours. And Heidi was there, and she, um, she, I watched her, and she was speaking that night. And there was 100,000 Malawi people, and she didn't want to sit on the stage. She didn't want to be separated from people. So she literally sat in the crowds. And I watched her, and Heidi kissed a deaf baby. And as she kissed the baby, their ears opened. And I thought, Lord, I don't have love like this. And in the middle of the meeting, that meeting that night, Todd Bentley had a vision of Jesus walking through the crowds. And you start seeing this invisible figure. It's on videotape, walking through the crowds. And everywhere that he goes, people part to the right and the left. And they're instantly healed. And I was just ruined. I was wrecked by this because I thought, Lord, I, I want more of you. And if I have to leave everything in the West to learn from orphans and from the poor, I want to learn about the kingdom of God. So at 24, I moved to Mozambique, sight unseen. I'd never been there before. And we started praying for my husband. And on my 25th birthday, um, I had flown to India to start Iris India during the tsunami. There was a terrible tsunami in 2003 or 4, I think. And I flew right into the tsunami to start Iris India, and then I passed it on to the Indians. And a friend of mine, Ravi Kandal, who's an Indian prophet, he's in Father of Lights, he had come to Mozambique at my birthday, 2005. He came to Mozambique because we had passed it off to him. And on my birthday, on 2005, Jesus walked into his bedroom. And the Lord gave him a word for Heidi and for Will Hart, who's leading Iris, and for me. And when the Lord spoke about me, he would go, my Shara, my Shara, my Shara. And he would smile. And he talked about how there was an Esther call on my life. And Esther was set apart for a king. Her marriage was with her ministry. It was all one. So it was this whole word, and it was a visitation. So 2005, I start planning my wedding in faith. So I start planning this wedding. I didn't really have any friends at the time. I just had all these spiritual moms. So I went to each of my spiritual moms, like Heidi Baker and Stacey Campbell, and I gave them a shawl to honor them of their favorite color, asking them to be in my wedding. Granted, I hadn't dated anybody for like a decade. So I remember Stacey Campbell goes, well, Shara, you know, are you dating anybody? And I'm like, oh, gosh. She has no faith. What is she thinking? Jesus gave me a word, you know? And then she goes, well, um, has anybody asked you out? And I'm like, no! And I just cry. And, you know, and that's 2005. I start planning this wedding with no boyfriend or anything. And years go by. And Heidi and I literally, we went to the fields of Ruth and Boaz in Israel, you know, where David was, where Jesus was born. We're in the fields of Bethlehem, and Heidi is, like, contending for my Boaz to come in Israel, you know. And I used to have all these Mozambican kids, and I started really doubting that God would ever send my husband. So I asked my Mozambican children to pray for their father before we would eat every day, because I thought, surely, Lord, you will not ignore the prayers of the orphans and the widows. So every night, my Mozambican kids would be like, God, please send my father so I can eat. Please send my father, God. And so this became like a worldwide prayer movement for years and decades. And I wish I could say that I waited in eager hope, but it wasn't really like that. I was waiting more in desperation. 
And I remember I used to host all of Heidi's speakers in the bush, which was really like a bonding experience, you know, because, you know, you're in the bush and you're, there's no running water, you poop in the ground. I mean, it's rough. And so I'd be the one taking care of them. And they'd be like, you know, all these worldwide speakers that were at my wedding, they were like, can we prophesy over you? Can we pray for you to thank you? And I was like, just pray for my husband. So it became like literally everybody was praying for Shara's husband. And I remember right after my movie, Compelled by Love, came out, I was doing a screening in L.A., and right after that, Papa Lou Engel called, who leads the call movement, a prayer and intercessory movement. He calls me at like 6 in the morning, and I'm like, you know, he'd never called before or after. I'd met him when I was a Princeton student like 20 years earlier, and I talked to him on the phone, and he goes, Sarah, the Lord told me to give you a weak offering. And I'm thinking... What are you going to give me, Papa Lou? You have to pay for stadiums. I can't take money from you. You know, I didn't understand what he was talking about. He goes, the Lord told me it's time for Esther to arise in Hollywood and for your husband to come. And I'm going to pray every day for your husband. And I just started bawling because I thought, Lord, if you trust this man to pray for nationwide revival, surely there is still hope for my husband. Because at this point, it had been 15 years. <laughs> since that visitation and on 15 years to the date I'm sorry 10 years to the date of the Lord walking into Ravi's room and giving him a word about my husband 10 years later to the date my husband reached out to me Daniel Chalmers and the Lord um, just started restoring family he did two back-to-back 40-day fasts to pray for me <laughs> to pray if he could, should come and pursue me and And I told him he had to go through deep inner healing before I would court him, and he had to meet Mama Heidi. And actually, the very first miracle, my husband moves in tremendous miracles, but the first miracle he ever saw was when he was proposing to me with Mama Heidi and Papa Roland, and his hand got covered in gold dust. And it was like God just smiled on that. And so the Lord brought a great fulfillment, and Tanner led worship at my wedding, But shortly after that, we went to a thyroid specialist. I had burned out on the mission field. I had a growth on my thyroid that they thought was cancer. So I went to the specialist at UCSF, and he said it would be very hard to have children. And I was devastated at this news. I was absolutely devastated. And one of our mentors, Cindy Jacobs, was ministering nearby. So we go straight to the meeting. She's an amazing prophet. And I was like, I'm not going to text her. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. But I'm asking you to give her a word for my husband. And so we're in the meeting with Cindy Jacobs, and the whole meeting goes by. And at the very end, she calls up my husband and starts prophesying over him about Hollywood and how uh, the call for movies and ministry and everything that we're doing right now. And as she is releasing the word of the Lord over my husband, the fire of God hits my body, and I start I actually thought I was going to burn. I mean, it was not this glorious encounter. I was having trouble breathing. And I fly back. Thank you, Jesus. I was wearing pants. I literally fly back, and I go into a vision where I see my husband holding a little dark-haired girl with curls and big eyes. And it's like right in that moment, the Lord spoke a better word. And so we chose to trust the Lord. And shortly after that, about nine months later, I got pregnant. And we were going to do a big gender reveal party at Bethel. And what you do is you go to your doctor and they put the gender in an envelope and you bring it home and your friends like open it and then blow balloons up and stuff. 
So we go to pick up the envelope, and my doctor wasn't there. It was another doctor, and she said, I have to talk to you. And so I, she takes us into a room, and she said, you either lost a twin or you have a child that has severe Down syndrome or genetic polypoidy, and we can't tell you. You're going to have to go and do a genetic testing at UC Davis that will tell you everything that could go wrong with this baby. And I was just devastated. And I remember we canceled the gender reveal party, and my husband and I prayed, and we went to Papa Bill, and we just had this choice to believe the report of the Lord. And we were like, we are not going to go to UC Davis. We are not going to get a report. We are going to trust you, Jesus. And we just had a fight for my daughter, and um, the birth was pretty intense. I'm sure all women feel that. But um, it was actually, there was a few really scary moments where I, I started flatlining and the baby started flatlining. I remember screaming to my husband, FaceTime Mama Heidi, because I've seen her, you know, raise people from the dead. And I literally thought I was, I was dying. And it was such a traumatic birth that after three days, my hips separated and I couldn't walk for about a month. And it was just this really painful time where my husband was carrying me and I I was on a walker and a chiropractor to come. And so the story of Mephibosheth touches me because I went just this time last summer, I went through a season where it was very hard to walk. And there my husband was on Father's Day taking care of both the baby and I and just literally like caring for us and nursing me back to health. So I feel like this story touches me so deeply Because I feel like we're all like Mephibosheth, where we might not be physically handicapped, we might not be lame, but we all have areas of our life that have caused great pain. We all have areas of our life that have felt like the enemies come in when we are destined for royalty and we've literally found ourselves in the wilderness. We found ourselves on the outskirts of society. We found ourselves where we feel lost, where we feel like he felt like a dead dog. And God literally positions us at his table. And he literally stretches us with his sons and his daughters. And it reminds me, the scene of Mephibosheth, it reminds me of the wedding feast to come. Where for all of eternity, we are going to sit with Esther, with David, with Abraham, with Isaac, with all the prophets of old. We are going to sit at the wedding supper table of the Lamb. And we literally, for all of eternity, are going to be the royalty of heaven. And I felt like today, what the Lord wanted to do is he wanted to restore inheritance. He wants to restore families. He wants to restore prodigal sons and daughters. He wants to heal us so much from the inside out that the lost run to our homes. Yes, the lost want signs and wonders. Yes, the lost want prophetic words, but they want family. They want to be fully loved and fully belong. And the body has to function as one, not as dismembered arms and legs and nose and ears. He literally wants to make us so one, the same oneness that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have, that we would look like love, that revival would look like family. And this morning, what he wants to do is he wants to take every area of your life that feels like it is too lost to be restored. 
Maybe you've been given your own cancer statement. Maybe you have bank accounts that are bottomed out. Maybe you have a relationship that feels like it's on the verge of a divorce. But I'm telling you, like Jonathan made a covenant with David, Jesus made a covenant with us. And when we sit as his sons and daughters, when we feast at the table of the Lord because of the blood of another, all that is lost is restored and redeemed. So I actually asked for us to prepare communion. And I'm going to call my husband forward, who's already been getting kind of some words of knowledge. And there's a song that John Mark McMillan wrote about Mephibosheth called Carbon Ribs that we're going we're gonna to take as we do communion. The Lord wants to restore lost inheritance today. When I came in this building, I, I heard specifically that someone's battling with cancer and he's going to heal that. So stand up if, you have, if you're battling with cancer, any, any sort of cancer. Thank you, sir. That just already breaks all the shame. That's the beginning of healing. Um, and so you could stay up. You can stand up because I want everyone to just to extend hands right now and we just pray and take authority over this because this is illegal. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for complete healing and restoration in Jesus' mighty name. By the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, be healed as I see Jesus sees it. Right now, in your faith, God, in Jesus' name. Um, diabetes. Diabetes and blood sugar levels are too high. Is anyone having that issue right now? No one. Is there a Thompson? I heard Thompson. Is that a street or a name? Tom or Thompson? Does anyone know a Tom that should have came to church today? Okay. Oh, she's pointing over there. <laughs> Who's shy? This, this shy thing. I don't know. Is this Tom or Thompson? Tom, Tom. Hey, Tom. Yeah, I had a word. Is your, is your father or anyone involved with the military somehow? Was involved? Is something with military, with flights, with flying? Air Force? No? Okay, must be another Tom. This Tom. Gosh, Toms, you guys are just... Thank God I've died to self. I don't care if no one gets up. I know someone's here. <laughs> so, Tom, is anyone involved with military in your family? Is it a father or on your father's side? or Himself, you. Okay, that's for you then, specifically. So, Tom, I, I heard the Lord say earlier that there's going to be a restoration in your family. There's been division and there's been heartache, years of heartache, especially in the earlier years. And, and I, I heard the Lord say that he is actually stepping forth and taking care of this situation. It's been a prayer and he's going to restore everything that was even stolen. There was a betrayal. Um, it was definitely, um, and, and I just heard inheritance. There's something about an inheritance that the Lord's going to restore himself. And I just heard him say to, the Lord said earlier, he said, Ask how much and I will give it to you, son. I have restored that, if that makes sense to you. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. All right. Ma'am, have you got your legs? Do you want to? Can we pray for you? Uh, yeah, let's lay hands on you. Can someone? Is, all right. You guys are going to be equipped in healing because you're going to have... You're going to have um, the harvest come here. So you guys are going to be prepared to do uh, 
what Jesus asked us to do because Christ is in us and there's no junior Holy Spirit. I've seen it many times. I've gotten 10-year-olds that prayed and people were healed, delivered. And Okay, so Father, I, in the name of mighty Jesus, in your Son's name, I ask for complete healing. I command that bones, fibers will come into alignment right now in Jesus' name. Do you feel anything right now? Feel Jesus. Peace. That's him. He's in the room. Can you do something you couldn't do before? Would you like to try? On Friday night, we had someone with, with a cane and a boot and everything. She took it off in faith and she walked. And she was healed. No pressure though. Because he can do it any time. It's not my timing anyway. I'm going to come and lay hands on you. It's okay. He loves you. The end result is he loves you. Father, I pray right now, I command all pain and strength to come in the mighty name of Jesus and by your blood that the pain level will go down to zero and the strength will be empowered. And Father, I, I, I pray in Jesus' name, your Son's name, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, come and heal us completely that she could run, so she could run again. I see a call of uh, a missionary in your life, you, you know, missions. I feel like the Lord's called you in missions. There was a disappointment in previous years, but, but the call, the Lord said, the dreams in your heart is just the beginning because it's his dream for you to go out in the missions. And I even heard uh, Uganda. Oh, shut up. I saw little black children around you, little chocolate, beautiful children that need a mom. You have a mother, a mothering spirit. People come to you with all their secrets. There's a safe place. The Lord likes to heal the heart first, then the body um, comes after that because there's trauma in people's lives. It brings sickness to the body. Yeah. We have a special song prepared <clears throat> called Carbon Ribs about Mephibosheth. And we're going to, I'm going to ask the pastors to administer communion. <laughs> she loves singing. I'm going to ask the pastors to administer uh, communion. Are you going to do the song? Okay, we're just going to go ahead and pass out the sacraments right now and um, invite the Lord to meet us. While we're passing it out, I just come to agreement uh, with this fresh work of family in our house and uh, where everybody that comes know immediately that they belong. And we've been actually speaking this word for a while that people in our midst feel like they belong before they have to believe just like us. And we just want to have that anointing that everybody feels like they belong. I also come into agreement with the greater grace for healing and power. Um, Shara doesn't know my story, but... Um, Heidi Baker came to Seattle 
and uh, and she was in one of the first revival type meetings I was ever in. And I actually had been judging the work of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit. It scared me to death, to be honest with you. Went to this meeting, and people were shaking uncontrollably. And Brenda and I were not used to that kind of an environment at all. And uh, and I was pretty sure that it wasn't God. Um, but then they carried Heidi Baker to the front, and she began worshiping a cappella. And, and uh, the song went, you probably, you've heard it many times, but use me, bruise me, break me. If need be, I want to be a poured out offering to you. And she worshiped that song, and, and I was in the second row. And as she's worshiping, the Holy Spirit comes, and uh, he penetrates my heart and my pride and my judgment um, against things I didn't understand of the Holy Spirit. I end up on the floor, just a mess. And... Um, and I was undone. And she began sharing a vision she had, and you've touched on it, about transparent saints carrying the glory. You said he wants to pour out a, me- a measure of himself to, uh, with, to people without mixture. And it reminded me of that vision that she had, that the last time move of God, there would be uh, saints who were totally transparent saints, um, not hiding anything from God or one another, and that they would be positioned for the glory of God. And when she talked about that, I, I, I felt my um, heart leap. I want to be one of those saints. I want to be one of those saints that I have nothing to hide from man or from God, where I totally know that I'm pure. And I really believe that's what God wants to do in us this morning as we as we take communion, he's provided the way for you to be totally comfortable with who you are and be totally honest with him and other people where you have nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. That's what makes family, really, where you're known and loved. And so, Lord, we bow our hearts before you today and we thank you, Jesus, that you've taken care of every reason for us to have any shame or carry any guilt. And we just thank you that your body was broken, that we may be made whole, body, soul, and spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being broken on our behalf. Let's remember his body together. And Father, we thank you for the blood that was poured out. You purchased us by the precious blood of the Lamb. And this morning, Lord, we welcome the reality and the experience. Everybody say experience of being clean because of the blood, of being sons and daughters because of the blood, becoming family because of the blood. Thank you, Lord. Let's remember the blood together. Thank you, Lord. Father, fill us with your glory. Fill us with your glory. New measures of your glory, God, in all of our lives. We invite that, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Now we're going to play this song. I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what am I going to, what inheritance is going to be restored to me today? Just want you to, as we're worshiping the Lord to this final song, I know we have to close out for the next service, but I want you to specifically ask the Lord, what is he going to restore to you right now? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white snow. Oh, other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that when we sit at your table, your blood covers us. Your table covers our handicap, that we trade our crippled and we get to be your son and your daughter. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, every area of our lives that has been stolen and ransacked by the enemy, Father, we declare and we decree that today is a day of families being restored. Today is a day of you touching covenant, of you touching marriages, of you touching sons and daughters who have fallen and are lost. And I thank you that today is a day where you will heal us in Jesus' name, that you will restore everything that the enemy has tried to steal. We love you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand. Uh, Becky, you want to bring, bring those up, up here? I just want to come in agreement with this movie, Hosea. Come on. That is an amazing book. I'm excited about that movie being uh, coming out. So uh, let's just agree right now for the resources in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, Father, for resources and come in for this movie, this biblical movie. talks about a love story, Father. I just come in agreement for that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for the dream of Shara's heart and uh, for the story and the testimony of family that she has shared with us, her, her and Danny and, and their baby girl. We're just so grateful, God, the way you uh, keep your promises and how your prophetic word is spoken and you're faithful to bring it into fruition, God. And, and I just declare over our church family, all of the people here, the prophetic words that have been spoken. God, we come in agreement for the fulfillment, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for restored hope for the inheritances and the prophetic words have been spoken over us. We receive them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hey, we want to finish by blessing them financially, by bringing an offering to them. And we have two baskets here. We also have a text to give if you want to give that. But we want to support them as they've traveled up here ministering in Alaska. And, uh, and just thank you for helping in that way. And, and we'll have ministry team here ready to pray if anybody needs a breakthrough. So, Father, we thank you for the Shalmers, and we ask your blessing upon them. And uh, we bless the work you're going to do tonight at 6 o'clock. Thank you for what you're going to do ahead of time.